matter who you are, no matter where you've been, no matter what you've done, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Find the Savior. Find Yeshua HaMashiach. Find the truth on Solace Radio. So when Paul arrived in Ephesus at the beginning of the third ministry journey that he was on, it was, yet we, again, we remember that Ephesus was a, a center, a hub of occultic activity. It was, um, I mean, I know that most of the world at that time, most of the world is full of paganism and occultism and, and you know, the, the enemy is having his way. But, but Ephesus was a particularly ripe Petri dish uh, for occultic activity. Every kind of demonic activity made its way through Ephesus. Tried to establish a headquarters of sorts where they could get a, a foothold. It was not just, it was a port city, but it was like a, it was like, you know how everybody wants a New York City address so that when they send out, they have a, they have a headquarters in New York and LA. Well, Ephesus, the, the demonic forces of this world wanted, a, wanted a, a hub in Ephesus. In fact, Ephesus had such a reputation for being a center for the learning uh, and the practice of magical arts that in, in antiquity, as far back as the 4th and 5th century before Yeshua, you have what are called, that are known as the, the Ephesian writings, the Ephesia Grammata. And these Ephesian writings, uh, when, when you hear about that, that's not referring to Paul's letter, because of course that's not written in 4th or 5th century B.C. The Ephesian writings were these small parchments, these small scrolls that people carried around, and they ca- carried magic formulas, spells, words, uh, that had, uh, you know, their incantations. And people would carry them around so they would have a sort of uh, magical protection. They would put them on their things. The Ephesian, they were known as the Ephesian writings. And that's what they were. This, it, Ephesus was like synonymous with witchcraft and magic and demonic uh, work. So when Paul arrives in Ephesus, as we've mentioned, he, he meets a dozen believers there. Uh, who had been come to the Lord probably under the ministry of Apollos and, or excuse of Apollos or Priscilla and Aquila, and if you you can read about that at the back end of uh, Acts chapter eighteen, but he gets there and he asks them if they've received the Holy Spirit, and they said basically, um, we've not even heard of a Holy Spirit. There are all kinds of spirits going at work here. We've not heard of a Holy One, and so they said he said well in what immersion were you immersed into what what in, what baptism, as it were? What, what uh, were you baptized into? And they said, well, we were baptized into John's baptism under repentance and, uh, and, and in believing in Yeshua. And, and so he, he prayed, he baptized them in the name of Yeshua and they were filled with the Holy Spirit. They began to speak in other tongues and began prophesying. Paul was fully dependent on the work, on the leading of the Holy Spirit in his life. He was very sensitive to the Ruach, and he obeyed the leading of the Spirit, which we know this is why it's taken him so long to get to Ephesus, because the Holy Spirit said, not now. And uh, we've talked about that before. He had already, in two ministry journeys, over a period of several years, needed the power of the Spirit. And 2,000 years later, people get on the defensive or start getting a little leery when we start talking about the power of the Holy Spirit or the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Or they try to make this, make all of these passages about a doctrinal issue. What do you believe in your noggin? Will you sign this paper? And for Paul, 
This was about what he knew, about whom he knew. And he knew that in his life, in his ministry, that he was fully and totally, necessarily reliant and dependent daily upon the work of the Holy Spirit flowing through his life. He knew he couldn't do this on his own. In the same way that, you remember when Moses, the Lord says to Moses, you know what, I'm going to send you ahead, but I'm not going with you. But Moses knew the Lord, and Moses said, wait a minute, you can't go. No, 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 no. I'm not going if you're not going, because I know I can't do it. I'm not going if you're not going. I know that everything, anything that's happening through me is because of you. That's the same, Paul is, Paul is dependent. He's not doing this in his own mind, his own flesh, his own wisdom. He is leaning on, being led by, daily flowing in the power of the Holy Spirit that's birthed from relationship with God, flowing from within, rivers of living water, every day flowing from within. You know, Yeshua said, I will come, or John said, I baptize you with repentance, but he said, one is coming after you who will baptize with fire, and we'll baptize with the Holy Spirit. What did we read in our Parsha this morning about going in and being cleansed by fire and then being cleansed by water and having the Holy Spirit do his work in us? Paul knew that if the Kehillah, that if the congregation, the Holy Assembly of Ephesus was to make an impact in this area, in this stranglehold of demonic and evil activity, that they would need, depend on the, the power of the Holy Spirit. So after Paul got there, he spends the first three months in the synagogue in Ephesus. Acts 19.8 says, Paul went into the synagogue and for three months spoke boldly, debating and persuading them about the kingdom of God. Reasoning with them, going through line by line. Verse 9, but when they were hardening and refusing to leave, uh, speaking evil of the way before the whole group. They be, or in some versions will say they began to speak evil of the way. And the way would have been the designation for the, uh, the body of Messiah, for the believing community. They were called the way. I am the way. You know, that's, that's the, what they became known as, the way. So those who became hardened and refused to believe began speaking evil of the way before the whole group. So Paul withdrew from them, taking the, the disciples with him, taking those who had believed. It's not as though he had been, had entirely fruitlessness in the synagogue. Some had come to believe, but there were then those that were hardened and stubborn and they were refusing to believe. So then he took those who were believing and then went to good soil. And he went uh, debating daily in the hall of Tyrannus. <clears throat> the word hardening, <clears throat> excuse me, is simply referring to the fact that those that they were becoming stubborn. It's a word that's talking about obstinacy. They, became, they, they were becoming obstinate and stubborn. They were argumentative. They were not actually, they did not have a heart to hear and to listen and to receive. Fruitless debate, like when you begin going and arguing, being like, I'm going to argue with people, that you, you begin having these like, you know, talking head de news debates. I mean, do you, you, okay, do you ever watch Talking Head News Debate? Which I don't watch them anymore. I cannot handle it. Is there ever any occasion where one of those people is going to say to the other people, you know, you made a good point. You're right. I'm with you. Never. It will be actually news when that happens. Okay. It will be go, go viral on YouTube. So when you find yourself 
being drawn into a talking heads debate. And there is stubbornness and there is hardness and there is not a, a, a sensitivity to listen. There's not an openness to hear. Do not engage in fruitlessness. You move to where the, the, it will land on good ground, where the seed, the word of, will land on good ground. So Paul didn't get discouraged. He went to where people might hear and respond. He took Jewish believers that had already responded with him. And so from the hall of Tyrannus, he preached and he ministered daily for the next two years. And during that two years, God worked through him mightily. There were incredible healings. As Paul and the Kehilah, the assembly of Ephesus, submitted themselves to the work of the, of the Ruach, they weren't just in a kind of hide it out and wait, you know, hide out, wait out the storm, hide from the danger. We're in a really dark place. Let's just come in and just hide out. And just. They, did, they came together to pray, to seek God's face, to know him. But there was an impact going into the kingdom of darkness. So then listen what happened. Verse 10 says, this continued for two years. So that all the residents of Asia, speaking of this area in Turkey, okay, so Asia means something different than what our big old Asia, okay. All the residents of Asia heard the word of the Lord. Jews as well as Greeks, Jews and Gentiles. Verse 11, God was doing extraordinary miracles by Paul's hands. So that even handkerchiefs and aprons that touched his skin were brought to the sick and the diseases left them and the evil spirits went out of them. So the power of God's moving mightily. And it wasn't, listen, it wasn't somehow just for show. You know, Paul wasn't like setting up being like, come on, come to my, you know, you're like a, like a carnival barker. He was walking with a heart to glorify God to see people set free. And this was never about him. He's not trying to make a name for himself. He's, wanting, he's walking in, in obedience to the will of God and to the heart of God. He's, let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And God's will is that people would be set free and delivered. And he's saying, I'm going to walk in agreement, in alignment, praying, Lord, for you to reveal your will to me, praying for your will to be accomplished and walk in that. This isn't about me. or I don't boast in that. I boast in him alone, in Messiah alone. That's all he cares about. And so he's walking around and Luke makes the point, makes the point clear when he writes this, it says, God was doing extraordinary miracles through Paul. There are people walking around going, I did this and I do that. Be careful, pal. Be careful. Do not try and take the glory from the Lord. God does not share that. And we, what? We, if, you, if we know him, we don't want to take his glory. We want to glorify him. When I begin desiring glory, when that begins to, to creep up within me, when, I, when the desire to have my name made known becomes a driving force, that is something, that, that's, a, that's, a, that's a little red flag. That's a little thing in my flesh going, this is not of the Lord. That is not of him. That the enemy wanted to exalt himself, to make his, himself known. And when the Lord, and, and when the, in, at Babel, they wanted to come together to make a name for themselves. Those who want to make a name for themselves, no, it's to exalt his name. Anyway, I'm going to keep going. So Paul's not after that. He doesn't say, I did this, I did that. Even so, there were those who, as he was walking in ministry, who saw what he was doing, who saw what was happening through him, and they got their attention. 
Because in Ephesus, the supernatural was money-making business. I mean, you'll remember later in Acts chapter 19, there's a silversmith by the name of Demetrius. And Demetrius makes uh, silver idols. He makes little, what they call what it says, shrines uh, for the temple of Artemis, the temple of Diana. The temple of Diana is one of the seven wonders of the world. This is money-making business. And it says, he comes to some guys, he's like, listen, we don't, we're not losing a small amount of money here. We're like, basically, our, the seventh wonder of the world is falling into decline because these people are going around teaching something that is undermining the reputation of, of what's going on here, undermining the reputation of the wickedness. God's word was, was, was taking out the footings from the foundations of the demonic activity there. And these guys were starting to lose money, and they, so they, they go after Paul. The ministry of Messiah through Paul was a threat. I mean, I'll bet if, if Paul had led a ministry of kind of a us four and no more, you know, Let's just come together, just us, and we're just going to do a, a Torah study and sing Kumbaya or whatever. Um, and not challenged the gods of Ephesus. Not said, we're going to strengthen here. We're going to strengthen here, and then we're going to penetrate into the darkness. We're going to go into the darkness. It's kind of like, you know, a, a beachhead in, a mil in the military. Uh, what, a, what a beachhead is, is when, like when they took the beach at Normandy, you, you get this area and then you keep making progress. You keep making progress and they went into France and France had been overrun by the Nazis, was being ruled by the Nazis and the citizens of France were under the, the dictatorial, destructive, oppressive Nazi regime, darkness, and so they begin going in step by step. Coming together, strengthening, fortifying, and then making, and others coming alongside and making inroads and setting people free. That's what we're doing in the, what we're called to do in the spiritual realm. To come together, to strengthen, but then to make inroads into the kingdom of darkness. If he would have just had some little nice congregation that wasn't going to see people set free or invade enemy territory, then they, I would have bet they would have been fine with him. They would have put him on their little coexist bumper stickers. <laughs> him too. That's fine. Yeah, you're not making a you don't. You're fine with us. We're fine with you. Everybody's good. But you are undercutting what's happening here. You're a threat. They didn't mind all the other demonic activity. They said, hey, there's room for everyone. They don't care because that's the way the enemy works. That's the way the enemy works. That's why even the way the, the, way the enemy works among our people, among the Jewish people, is that he, in, in, in our people... In our community, in, in, historically, it's when you believe in Yeshua that they say, no, no, now you're no longer Jewish. That's the, that's the breaking point. You, you know, you're Buddhist, you're a Jew, boo. You're, uh, you know, New Age, Hindu, it's whatever. It's fine. Atheist, fine. The enemy, it's the same strategy. He's like, yeah, yeah, this is all mine. But Yeshua, uh, he's not allowed to come into my territory. What's going on? I've had this for so long. So remember, Paul had ministered in the synagogue for three months. And then once he was left there, they began speaking e evil of the way. Now, we remember that. Now, in Ephesus, there was a Jewish high priest, a chief priest, by the name of Sceva. Sceva. That was not a Jewish name, but it was his name that he was known by there. Now, Sceva would have been the ruling Cohen connected to the synagogue of Ephesus. And based on the story that we're going to look at here in a second, it's not a stretch or a leap to draw the conclusion, to leap to the conclusion that Sceva and his family, being the leaders of the synagogue, there had not gone with Paul when he left. And there's a key phrase in the story that we're about to read, and that phrase is, who are you? Which is the title of the message. Who are you? Now you have to take into account that 
we're going to talk about the seven, look at the seven sons of the chief Cohen. They're the, seven, the ruling Jewish Cohen in this metropolis in Ephesus has seven boys. And their dad is important. important. <laughs> Just go with it. He's important. Right? They're known to us. They're known as Sceva's sons. And it see, seems that they probably figured they would take advantage of their dad's title, of his reputation, and begin developing a business, a spiritual business. Spirituality is making money in Ephesus. So they got a thing going on. So they start traveling the area, Sceva's seven sons, traveling exorcists. That's what they're doing. They're like, hey, what's going on here? The Dead Sea Scrolls and some of the apocryphal literature reveal that during the intertestamental period, there were formulas for exorcism that became popular among some Jewish people. So even though these guys didn't personally respond to Paul's preaching in the synagogue or go with him when he moved on to the Hall of Tyrannus, They still had either heard or observed what God was doing through him, and they probably heard him cast out spirits in the name of Yeshua. They figured, oh, look at how look how effective that is. He he cast them out in the name of Yeshua, and look what happens. And they probably added that formula to their repertoire. So having probably observed his ministry, not having responded to the word of God he was preaching, not having surrendered to the to the Spirit of the Lord, they go out and give it a shot saying, I command you in the name of Yeshua that Paul is preaching about. So let's read. Verse 13, But some traveling Jewish exorcists also tried to invoke the name of the Lord Yeshua, saying, I charge you by the, name, by the Yeshua whom Paul preaches. Seven sons of a Jewish ruling Cohen named Sceva were the ones doing this. But the evil spirit answered them, Well, I know Yeshua, and I know about Paul. But who are you? Who are you? The evil spirit speaks. The evil spirit says, okay, I know who Yeshua is. Like, I, I know. I've known for a long time all too well. The Greek word used there is ginosko, which has to do with there's a, there's a knowing, there's a, having made his acquaintance at the very least. It expresses the idea, yeah, we've met long ago. And he says, I've heard about Paul Epistemi is the word. I've gotten some information about him. He's known to me. So I know both of them. I've heard, I know who Yeshua is. Heard about Paul. But you, who are you? Who are you to command anything of me? You know, I gave, when we were in, take the kids to camp, I gave the kids this picture of like, when we start walking around in authority that's not ours. Like if I were to just randomly walk into Walmart and go in, if I go in this afternoon and I go to the person at the, cash, the cashier and I go, listen, I need you to go on break. You just need to go. Go on break. And uh, you, I need you to work this register. Come here, come here, come here, come here. And I start just trying to walk in authority. Somebody's going to go, uh, who are you? Just because you say it, just because you say it, just because you call yourself it, well, I'm the new manager of Walmart. No, you're not. Just because you say it doesn't mean it's so. You don't get to walk in authority that has not been given to you. And, those, and, and, and the evil spirits are not as gullible as different employees that might be like, oh, okay. They're like, who in the world are you? Because I'm bigger than you, and you don't, if you don't have the badge, I'm going to take you out. So what happens is, verse 16, then the man with the evil spirit sprang at them, subduing and overpowering all of them. Seven. So they fled out of that house naked and wounded and bleeding. 
And this became known to all who lived in Ephesus, both Jewish and Greek people. Fear fell upon them all, and the name of the Lord Yeshua was being magnified. The man with the evil spirit went all Jason born on them. <laughs> and the seven sons of the Cohen fled the house naked and wounded. And what was it that defeated those seven men that day? What defeated them had nothing to do with flesh and blood. It wasn't that they were dealing with some super highly trained black ops CIA guy or somebody. That's not the issue here. This wasn't a battle against flesh and blood, though there was flesh and blood. Naked and bleeding. <laughs> too much flesh, too much blood. Just got that just right this moment. So the Ephesian people knew this is not a battle against flesh and blood, but against the spiritual forces of darkness that are invisible and real and at work. And what these seven sons of the chief priests learned that day was that unlike the famous Ephesian letters with incantations and magic formulas and letters and whatever, that the little parchment pieces that people carried around for protection, that the name of Yeshua is not some sort of magic phrase that can just be tossed around and used. That it doesn't matter if you have the right words, Remember in Jeremiah chapter 7, the people are trusting that they're safe because they've got the temple of the Lord. And the Lord says through the prophet, you are trusting in, in a lie. You're trusting in words that are deceptive, saying, well, this is the temple of the Lord, the temple of the Lord, the temple of the Lord. Nothing can happen because of the temple of the Lord. This idea that you can just have the right thing or go through the right motions or say just the right words, devoid of relationship with God, devoid of a meaning of sincerity. This idea that we can do that for our own ends, that we can use God for our own ends, that if I say it just right, he has to do what I say. No, he doesn't have to do anything, and he doesn't respond to empty words just because they're the right words. The idea, that decept- the deceptively hidden idea, that I can use God's power for my purposes by saying the right formula is incorrect. It's a lie, and it's a deception. I mean, there's a scene in Indiana Jones, Raiders of the Lost Ark, where Indiana Jones says, you know, Moses promised that when the ark is with you, your enemies will be scattered and your foes will fell before you. And he goes, the Nazis want this because any army which carries the ark before it is invincible. No, it's not about the ark, man. It's about the God who chose to let his glory dwell there. It's not about the words. It's about the God who has given power to those words when there's a heart of relationship connected with him. Just because you say in the name of Yeshua who Paul preaches, but you don't have a relationship with that Yeshua to give you the authority to say, I'm from the home office and I want you to go on break. We have the authority of the home office. You see, empowered, equipped to walk in his authority. But if we try to do it in our own, just walk around, hey, I heard someone do this, I'm going to try It's not in our own, the authority. What gives you or me the authority to say, come out in the name of Yeshua? Yeshua said in Matthew 28, 18, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, immersing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Ruach HaKodesh, teaching them to observe all I have commanded you and remember I am with you even to the end of the age. He says, I have, he says, I have given, I have all authority Therefore, go. All authority has been given to me. You're with me. Therefore, go and do this. 
As the Lord prepares us to walk in the function that he's called us to walk in, to penetrate the darkness, to bring light into the darkness, to, in his authority and by his power, to set the captives free, to go through and to be a beachhead that goes through in the name of Yeshua, and the power of Yeshua, that's rooted not in saying in the name of Yeshua, but walking in the power of the Holy Spirit with his spirit flowing through us, depending on him, seeking his face, worshiping him, praising him, acknowledging him in all our ways. In that, in him, we have power. And we go forward in obedience to him. But we can't get ahead of ourselves. Because the sons of Sceva tried to do things in the name of Yeshua without walking in relationship to Yeshua. And again, words, formulas. Just because you say, and this is why I say this every just because you, you repeated a prayer one time. I said the words. If you don't, if you don't mean it, if you don't, Confess it with your mouth and believe it in your heart. It's, it, it's not, he wants our, our trust. I trust you with my life. To believe on the name of the Lord Messiah Yeshua and you will be saved is to believe, to place my trust in him, to, to make me new and to cleanse me and to begin his transformative work in me, begin to flow in me. I want to walk with you. A life of submission to him, of surrender to him. If anyone would come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. Not if anyone would come after me, read, say the ABCs and repeat, you know, and dance around on one foot. No, it's not about going through a formula. It's about a heart of surrender to the Lord. So that if you, as a, if a, a child that awkwardly says, I love you to their, I love you, I love you, daddy, is beautiful. It's beautiful and it's real. Like I told you, or when Antonio would say, hold you, hold you. It's beautiful, awkward. He didn't say it right. I'm not doing picking you up till you say, hold me, please, Father. You are a loving Father who has a, you know. No, I, I, that's not it. So if we come and we go, we go through a rope kind of, I Lord, and it's not from a heart that, it's a heart that says, you know what, I'm going to go out and I'm still going to be the Lord of my life. I'm saying these words, but I'm not surrendering to you at the hard part, at the, where it really counts. I'm not willing to, to die, to deny myself and take up my cross, crucify my flesh, and let you have your way in me. I just want to go through saying words that are stuck in my head that are not flowing through my being. But I can come and say, Lord, I need you. I don't even know how to do this. I need you to cleanse me and make me new and save me. And I've failed so much and I'm so lost. And I'm afraid I'm going to fail over and over again. So please walk with me and make me new. And I'm going to lean on you and depend on you. And I'm going to look to you. And he wants a heart that runs after him. If you will seek me with all your heart, I will answer you, he says. Not go through the motions. And God says, I will work through you. He's going to work through us. And that's about what we do. But the first question is, who are we? So last week we looked at verse 1 of Ephesians. Because <laughs> we hadn't looked at this particular portion, but it's important because the these, tried to, these guys tried to do spiritual warfare in ministry without being in the position that they needed to be in with the authority that they needed to function. That They tried to use God for their own purposes. This isn't about our purposes. It's about his purposes and us getting in line with his purposes and us knowing him and walking with him. So the first thing that we... So Paul writes back years later. He says, first of all, before we talk about what you're going to do, we've got to know who you are. We are Kedoshim we talked about last week. That first, we are holy. 
pure, set apart. If you trust in Yeshua, you have been made clean. You have been made new. You've been justified. You've been righteousized. Right? The enemy will try to lie to you, to tell you that you are disqualified, to remind you of who you were. But God's word says that we, place, we who place our trust in him, who submit our lives to him, are kedoshim. Kedoshim, those trusting in Messiah Yeshua. We are clothed in righteousness, clothed in Messiah, wearing Messiah. Look at me. Looks just like Yeshua. Verse 2, grace and shalom. I'm just going to, grace and shalom to you from God our Father. I'm going to finish most of this next week. I'm just going to hit part of this here. Grace and shalom to you from God our Father and the Lord Yeshua, the Messiah. When Paul writes grace and shalom to you, the fact is, grace and peace to you. This verse, none of us, how many, I say none of us, some of you have, have, some of you are ahead of, of me in this regard. But rarely do we go, mm, I just want mm, to rest on verse number two here. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Yeshua Messiah. We just blow right past it. It's like a, like a cursory, perfunctory, like, hey, you know, like, like these are just empty words. Grace and peace to you, like, like he's like, mazel, mazel, good things. What, what, peace, you know, good to see you guys. When he's saying grace, charis, you know, uh, uh, doctrinally speaking, we, that speaks of God's unmerited favor. But charisma, charismata, hence the word charismatic, has to do more with the, we think of it, charismata has to do with the gifts, but they're, they're gifts of grace. They're God, the spiritual operational power graciously given to us to flow through us. So he's saying, He's saying, the power of God be in your midst. Grace to you. Not just walk in grace, but be, walk in the charisma, in, the, in, in grace. Walk in that power flowing through you. And shalom, of course, means peace, but that's not just this absence of conflict. Shalom is all-encompassing. This condition of having completeness, soundness, safety, wholeness. It does include, may it all go well with you. It includes words that for me have been so distorted it really irritates me. Because words like prosperity, I now hate the word prosperity because it's so, been so distorted for personal purposes. God wants you to have prosperity. Like he wants, listen, God wants to give you life and life more abundantly. And he has good things for you. And a father, as, my, as a father to my children, I want to give good things to my children. And I want, I want health in their life. And I want a blessing in their life. And that's, that is God's desire for us as we walk in obedience to his will. But we do see as we walk through the New Covenant Scriptures that in the midst of so much, Paul says things like in Romans chapter 8, he's saying, uh, look, he's, he's walking in this, but he's like, but listen, is this suffering, is this pain going to stop me? No, because in the midst of the pain, I am winning. We are more than conquerors. We are more than victorious in the midst of pain. That's what he's saying there. So when people say, well, if you're in pain or you're going through a difficult time, then you're not living God's victorious life. No, it doesn't mean that. It means I continue to walk with him and trust in him and look to him in the midst of it because my mind and my heart are not going to be overcome and overwhelmed because I have a bigger, I have something more the Spirit of God is living within me, flowing through me. So God's shalom, though, is what he wants for us. May it go well with you. May it be well with you in every, every way. Shalom is like everything coming together in perfect integration, wholeness, 
So whether it's in your own life, there's a sense of disorder and fragmentation, disintegration. It feels like everything's falling apart. And there's shalom is to take, to bring peace, to bring it into integration and wholeness and oneness. Your home is fragmented with stress and strife and the Lord wants to bring shalom right in and bring wholeness and oneness. Or whether it's societies at war, fragmented, destroying each other and the Lord wants to bring peace. And in that, that's, that's the presence of God, his shalom. His shalom is in the midst of his presence. Grace be to you, his power be with you. Shalom be with you, his presence be with you. Paul opens with this phrase, grace, peace to you. Not some sort of doctrinal statement. It's a blessing. It's a prayer. May the grace of God, the power of God, the power of his spirit, the shalom, the presence of God be in your midst from God our Father. Avinu, from our Father. So that's the, who am I? He's my father. I'm his child. I'm his child. I'm going to stop there. I'm going to stop there, except to read verses 4, 5, and 6 real quick. I'm going to stop there until next week. Verse 4, he chose us in the Messiah before the foundation of the world to be holy and blameless before him in love. He predestined us for adoption as children. If your Bible says sons, that means children can be sons or children through Messiah Yeshua, in keeping with the good pleasure of his will, to the glorious praise of his grace with which he favored us through the one he loves. Who am I? Who am I? To be able to do, walk in the authority that he's called me to walk in, who am I? I'm chosen, adopted, and favored. Because some people, what happens is, the picture of one being in an orphanage, you know, we sang a, one of the songs this morning, we sang about an orphan, you know, I'm, he, makes, he makes children out of orphans, he makes sons out of orphans. And so, it's, okay, it's one thing to say, okay, I was in slavery or I was uh, a slave to fear or I was in, in Egypt and I was in prison to sin or I was an orphan. And he chose me, he brought me out and he called me a son. He said, you can move into my house, you can live in my home, but I'm not going to get you any clothes. Um, you don't get to eat the food that, my regular, that everyone else gets. You should just be happy. You should just be happy I took you from where you were. Do you know you were in Greenland? You know, whatever. He, he, who you were, I took you. He doesn't say that. He says, I brought you. Now you look at me. You look at me. You are mine. You're my boy now. You're my girl now. I don't care how isolated and alone and abandoned and broken you felt in that orphanage. You listen to me. I chose you, and it's legal. I've adopted you. Now look at me. I love you. You're mine. And so I'm going to buy you clothes. I'm going to dress you. You're my child. Don't, you're not walking around in your orphanage clothes anymore. You're not walking around in prison blues or prison jail orange anymore. You're free. Stop walking around like, well, I don't even deserve to be here. You stand up. This is your house now. This is your house. I'm a, you're adopted. You have my last name. We are of one family. And you are an heir to the family business of seeing people set free, of invading the darkness. Now, I'm going to give you everything you need. 
I'm going to equip you with everything you need to do that. Because you're mine. You're my child. We try to operate in obedience to God apart from the relationship with the understanding of who I am to him. He picked me up, our psalm this morning, you took me out of the mud and the mire, you set my feet upon a rock. He took me up, he cleansed me, he made me new, I'm clean, number one. The enemy says, you're not clean, you are too. The name of Yeshua, he's just trying, he's just ticked off. He's ticked off. He hates, he hates God, and so he hates anything that looks like God. And you and I were created in his image. And he can't destroy God, so he's after God's kids. He's after you, and he wants to lie to you and beat you up and, and tell you you're nothing and no one and you're not clean. And Yeshua says, you are clean in me, and you're mine. Now walk like it. Now walk like it. Now walk in that. You're my child. Do you know who you are? And we have such deeply embedded lies in our minds, patterns of behavior, patterns of thinking, that we have allowed the enemy to rule and reign and have his way in our, in our minds. And every thought that, that exalts itself against the truth of God's word, we say, shut up in the name of Yeshua. We take it captive and we imprison it and we say, you get out in the name of Yeshua. I am loved and a child of God, made clean and made holy, and you will not demoralize me, and you will not beat me down, but I will walk in freedom and in newness. I'm clean. I'm new. I'm not broken anymore. Look at me. I don't know how he did it. All the cracks that were there, it's like, what in the world? I'm new. How did he do that? He's good, isn't he? Who are you? You are holy. And you're his. That's who you are. And it's on that basis. It's from that basis that we walk forward. Amen? Let's stand together this morning. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, Lord. We are chosen and adopted and favored by you, loved by you, accepted by you. Hallelujah. This morning, this morning, you can, we're going to, the altars will be open after service. If, whatever you need to pray about, we're going to play music and the altars will be open. But I prayed a prayer from my heart a minute ago. You don't need to repeat a prayer after me this morning. If you will call upon the Lord, if you will call upon the Lord, and don't do it in private. Let someone pray with you. Come to someone. Go to someone you know, someone you know this believer, and say, pray with me. I really need to surrender to my life, my life to the Lord. Let's get out of this whole walking in secret about when we're getting right with God. Let's go to someone and walk in community and say, you know what? I've been walking in sin. I've been walking in secret rebellion against God. And I'm tired. I, I'm going through this cycle. I raise my hand privately. I do this private prayer, but I'm doing it in isolation, which gives me the ability to keep walking back into that over and over and over. And, over. and I, I want God to set me free. So I want to come to you and say, pray with me. Begin to walk with me through this. Let's stop this garbage pattern of fake religion ridiculousness and walk in the freedom that God's called us to so that we can then be bearers of freedom, bringing his freedom into a dark world. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. Father, in the name of Yeshua, set your people free. Lord, help us to put on a garment of praise that will take off a spirit of heaviness. Lord, help us. We want to walk in you, in Messiah, to know that we are yours, that we are holy, that we are clean. Lord, keep reminding us by the power of your spirit, Lord, who we are in you. Lord, in Yeshua's name, Lord, quiet the voice of every lying, deceptive, evil, unclean thing that would seek to distract us or de demoralize us and stop us from walking in the fullness and the freedom that you have called us to. Lord, speak truth to us in your amazing, 
overwhelming, overpowering, never-ending, unchanging love. You are amazing. How I love you. How we love you. How we love you, Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise your name. Okay, I just want to worship the Lord. Father, go before us. May a song flow from our lives continually. Let your praise be on our lips. Hallelujah. And the Lord told Moses to tell Aaron and his sons that this is how you're to bless the children of Israel. You're to say to them, The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. And together, Lord, bless us that we may be a blessing. God, be gracious to us and bless us. Make your face shine toward us so that your way may be known on the earth, your salvation, your Yeshua among all nations. Shabbat Shalom.